You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Everybody and welcome to the Health Hub on this great Tuesday. Thank you for joining us. We are live. If you feel like you are in the mood to make a phone call, if something moves you in our conversation, please feel free to call at 416-245-1534. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at the Health Hub RMC, and we are on Facebook. Lots of great stuff coming to you on these social media platforms. So, so do follow us. You'll hear about all our great guests and all sorts of different things. Good morning, Alex. How are you? Good morning. I'm excited to be to be back in the studio with you. It's been a while. It has been a while. We were to tape last week, right? Yes. Yeah, it was It was a tape show. Yeah, the, the weeks are just flying by so quickly as we're getting on to the season, uh, the Christmas season. It's just, uh, it flies by. I feel like I'm out of my jammies and into my jammies at rocket <laughs> speeds these days. But yeah. uh, it's going to be a great show. It's, it's a live show, as we said today. It's going to be great. We're going to start off with our foodie section today. And this is a recipe and I will post this on Facebook. So if you don't have a pen in hand and it's a recipe you want to have, you can find it on Facebook. And the reason I chose this one today is it's, it's, uh, it's the basis of it is turmeric. Turmeric is a functional food. It's been studied for many, many years. It's had thousands of studies done, done on it for its uh, health properties. And that's why we call it a functional food. And you will see why I picked this food and this recipe as it will really intertwine nicely with with our topic uh, of discussion today. So this is a turmeric milk. It's called golden milk. It's not something that I created. I'm not taking success for this recipe, but as an anti-inflammatory drink, it is lovely. It's really calming and soothing, and it helps to quell inflammation. As I said, turmeric is one of those great, great foods that uh, has many, many health benefits. So here we go, <clears throat> sorry, with the golden milk recipe. Your first step is going to be in creating a paste. So what you're going to do is you're going to get a quarter cup of turmeric powder, a half a teaspoon of ground pepper, a half a cup of filtered water. And you're going to mix all these ingredients in a small saucepan. You're going to turn on the heat to medium high and continually stir this until the, um, the liquid evaporates and you've got a thick paste. It doesn't take long. It's not a process that you can walk away from. So do stay there and continue stirring until it... It is a paste. Then you're going to cool that and you're going to put it in the fridge until you need to use it. So when it comes time to make the actual drink, you're going to have a cup of almond milk, hemp milk, any non-dairy milk is best. Then a teaspoon of coconut oil, a quarter teaspoon or more as you graduate to the taste of the turmeric paste. And you're just going to mix all that together and heat it up. You can also add things like cinnamon, which is great for you, or honey to give it a little flavor, even a bit of vanilla. And you're going to mix all that together. And it's 
If I can compare it to anything, it'd be like a hot chocolate, that sort of a consistency. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's really quite nice. And if you really want to kick it up, you can put it in your blender and make a type of a latte. So I do that. Yeah, my kids like it. It's very good. So when you're starting off with turmeric, it's not one of those seasonings that we... Um, in the Western hemisphere have, have used a whole bunch. It's becoming more mainstream for sure, but um, start off slowly with the turmeric paste. And then as you, as you like the taste, as you get more um, familiar with the taste, add more to it. So it's, it's a great recipe. The paste should last you a couple of weeks. And it's, um, it's something that you can take when you're a little bit under the weather as a preventative or just because it tastes great and you know that it's good for you. So there you go. Thank you. Hopefully you enjoy that. And as I said, I will put that up on the Facebook page. So on to today's show. And I'm really, really excited about the show. And I'm really glad that uh, Sachin has taken the time to be with us today. He's a busy man. And he's an inroads maker for certain. With all of the information available to us on the internet, with the advent of the smartphones and all of the apps that can help us navigate our health, help us direct our health. It is really becoming incumbent upon us as the patient to begin to take our own health into our own hands. We had a show, Alex, remember on biohacking not too long ago. And this is sort of, yeah, this is sort of where these things can come into play. I think on the biohacking show, we talked about a little bit about supplements. We talked about the Fitbit, right? So Mm -hmm. getting up to 10,000 steps and making yourself accountable. And and all of these things and this this knowledge that is at our fingertips now really should be putting the onus upon us to take more of a directive in our own health. And the paradigm is is shifting in the medical field. People are starting to ask um, questions. They are starting to to want to know more about root causes, and that's a concept that we'll be talking about today. They're wanting to understand more about what is going on in their own health and removing past just dealing with symptomology. Mm-hmm. You know, chronic disease is really becoming something of an issue in, in so many different aspects of health that um, right now just just dealing with symptomology is not enough. We have to get to the root causes, and we'll talk about what that term means. But our guest today is Sachin Patel, and I love, I love his bio. And maybe you can guess why as I start this off. So Sachin is a father, husband, philanthropist, functional medicine practice success coach, international speaker, and best-selling author. His philosophy is that the doctor of the future is the patient, and he is actively doing whatever it takes to keep people out of the medical system by empowering them through education, self-care, and remapping their mindset. Sachin founded the Living Proof Institute as part of his own personal transformation and now coaches practitioners all over the world on how to step into their power and save their communities. To date, he has delivered hundreds of community workshops. He is an advocate for changing the health care paradigm, and he has devoted his life to the betterment of health care for both patients and practitioners. And I love the fact that he starts off his bio as a father and a husband. Mm -hmm. It just speaks very much to the man. And when we come back, we will be talking with Sachin and we are going to, we are going to discuss the, the change 
in the paradigm of, of medicine as he sees it. We are going to discuss the role of the patient in their own care. And then we're going to do something a little different at the end of the show. We're going to bring it all together for you by, by taking a condition and Sachin's going to walk us through a functional medicine approach to it. And we can sort of see how this approach differs from what we're, what we're used to in traditional or allopathic medicine. So stick with us for the whole show. It's going to be great. And when we come back, we will talk with Sachin Patel. They say sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. And right now, right now I'm losing bad. Stood on this stage night after night, reminding the broken it'll be alright. But right now, Oh, right now I just can't It's easy to sing when there's nothing to bring me down But what will I say when I'm held to the flame like I am right now? They say it only takes a little faith to move a mountain. Well, good thing a little faith is all I have right now. God, when you choose to leave mountains unmovable, oh, give me the strength to be. Listening to Radio Maria Canada.
We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are live today. If you'd like to phone in, our number is 416-245-1534. And do follow us on Instagram at the Health Hub RMC. And if you have questions that you'd like to tweet at us, you can certainly do that at Kathy underscore Biasi. And if you're just a little too shy to do that live, then you can certainly email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. Lots of ways to get a hold of us. So without further ado, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show, Sachin. That's a tongue twister. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for asking. Thank you for joining us. I'm really excited to delve into this subject matter today. I think our listeners are going to learn so much from you. Well, I, uh, I agree. <laughs> there is a lot for me to share, and I'm really excited. And I really like speaking to new audiences who this message is unfamiliar to because they get to hear it from somebody who's extremely passionate about it and somebody who can explain it well. So I really want people who are listening to tune in because this will literally change the way you look at your life after today. It will, it will. Now maybe you can give us some background on on you yourself. As I said, I love your bio. I love what you put forward um, first off. And, and it just, as I said, it says something about you and your passion and what drives you. But maybe you could give us a bit of background and bring us right up to your, your founding of the Living Proof Institute. Sure. So I'll, I started off when I graduated chiropractic college I started off as a sports chiropractor. That's what I've always wanted to do. It was the thing that I had dreamed of, you know, my uh, adult, my young adult life. And I accomplished that. And my first job was in a sports clinic. I was working with Olympic athletes. I was working with marathon runners. I was working with, you know, uh, pitchers from the major leagues. People would fly in from different countries and different cities to come to our practice because we did such great work. And that great work landed me on the news. Uh, a couple years into practice and that resulted from my boss at the time you know freezing on live television so the so the news agency approached her and really our practice and she says no I'm not going to do it I'm going to have Sachin do it and so I got on the news and we had about 80 people call in which was exciting for me because I love helping people until these people actually came in um, my bubble was bursted because None of these people were people that I could help. They had chronic health issues. Sports was like the last thing they were going to get injured from. And so they had, you know, debilitating arthritis, debilitating migraines and headaches, chronic pain, debilitating fatigue, you know, just extreme cases of people who were just not being served by any system, really. So this isn't about one system being better than the other. The system just didn't exist. And that was a system that was focused on the person instead of the diagnosis or the label that people come in with. So I started scratching my head and I had to turn all these patients away and it broke my heart. It's kind of like when you're a physician, it's like getting gutted. It's like not being able to help your child if they're in pain. You know, that's how it feels when we can't help our patients who are in pain. So, you know, I'm a man of integrity. I've told these people, listen, I don't know if there's anything I can do to help you. This is a problem that's much deeper rooted. And it's not a supplement or an adjustment or a massage or stretching that's going to get rid of this. And, you know, when you try to refer people who've been everywhere, you kind of run out of options. So I started learning about functional medicine at this time from who would later become my mentor, Dr. Ron Grisanti. And he started sharing case studies that resembled uh, the people that were coming into my office. And I started looking at the work he was doing. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. I've never you know, learned about this in chiropractic school. And, you know, obviously the medical doctors in our community weren't doing this because I'd never seen this type of lab test testing before. 
And once I saw it, it just made complete sense, get to the root cause. And, and so I took training in functional medicine all the way back now. It's uh, been since 2006 is when I took the training. And ever since then, once your mind becomes expanded to this, you just never really look back. And so I ended up leaving that practice because I couldn't see people through the same lens anymore. And, you know, when somebody came in with a short shoulder, that wasn't exciting to me anymore. If I could take somebody who was completely incapacitated because of a chronic health issue and reverse that person's illness, to me, that seemed a lot more rewarding than helping somebody throw a little bit further on, on a baseball field. So I came to that revelation and realization of what I really wanted to do. But then the challenge was there was really no system to follow. There wasn't really a best practice to follow. And so I had to build a practice from scratch, essentially, uh, you know, communicate a whole new message, communicate a whole new paradigm, you know, deliver in a whole new way. And, uh, and that's what my evolution has been. And in 2011, I was finally able to start the Living Proof Institute in Cincinnati, Ohio, of all places. And I told my wife, if I can start a functional medicine practice here and I can get it up and running and have it be successful, I can do it anywhere. And I promised her that uh, we would move back to Toronto. So two years into my practice in Cincinnati, I partnered up with Dr. Jared Siegler and he sees patients now in Cincinnati. I moved back to Toronto and opened up an office over here where we now have several practitioners uh, that see patients. Three years ago, I actually started coaching practitioners because what I realized is that we have a system of healthcare that works that gets about 80 to 85% of people with the most chronic debilitating illnesses better again. And and so these were people who had failed every other uh, conventional, integrative, you know, holistic treatment. These are the people that come to us. And so when we get these people better, we have to remind ourselves sometimes that these are the sickest of the sickest people coming to see us. People have seen multiple specialists. So I realized that that population is growing by the day, by the moment, and we need an actual scalable solution. So that's when I started training practitioners who had kind of seen like, hey, what are you doing? Like, how are you getting these results? But more importantly, how are you turning it into a a business? Because, you know, you don't take insurance. Mm -hmm. So then I started teaching practitioners how they can, um, you know, deliver exceptional amounts of value by leaving insurance out of it and do what's right for their patients instead of what's right for the patient's insurance. And so this gives power back to the patient. When the patient is in charge of their health, they actually have a say in in what can be done for them. So we essentially did the exact opposite of what's currently being done. You know, instead of the doctor running the show, the patient runs the show. Instead of a third party paying us, the patient pays us. Instead of the patient waiting for hours, to see someone, they're seen on time. Instead of masking the symptoms, we're getting to the root cause. Instead of diagnosing patients, we listen to their story. We listen to what's going on in their life. And the other thing that's really different about what we do is we take a different premise. And our premise is that the body's perfect, not that the body's broken. The existing allopathic model of care assumes that the body's broken, that it doesn't know what it's doing, that it's making a mistake. And so therefore blames the body, kind of like blaming the car for the accident instead of making the driver responsible for the outcome. Did you have trouble getting practitioners in the beginning to align with your, with your methods and with your, your ideology? You know what? Not at all. I've never had anyone tell me uh, that this idea is crazy because the information that we share, the depth at which we go to with our patients is learned in every single medical school. So what you learn in medical school and what you apply when you graduate are vastly different. 
when if people knew how much chiropractors learned in medical in their medical school and chiropractic college and how little of that knowledge actually gets applied in day-to-day practice they would be infuriated because the practitioner unfortunately has to leave a lot on the table um, because he can't deliver his services in the way that he wants to. A medical practitioner knows so much more than what drug to give you, right? They know way more than that. But the way the system is set up, it limits their capacity. They're swamped with patients who are waiting. They can't provide the long-term strategic solutions because the system and reimbursement structure isn't set up that way. So is it frustrating for doctors, do you think? Or is this just now how it is? It is. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, which doctor doesn't want to get to the root cause? Which doctor doesn't want to empower their patients and see them get better and see them less and not see their kids coming in all the time with uh, colds and illnesses if the patient was able to take better care of themselves? Which doctor doesn't want to deal with, you know, um, patients that are motivated and inspired and people that teach their neighbors and their community members, you know, how to stay out of the doctor's office? I mean, every doctor wants that. Let's t- let's take a step back, maybe, and and maybe can you explain to us? We've we've bantered the term around a couple of times already. Explain what root cause is and how this differs from symptomology. Absolutely. So, just if you visualize a tree, uh, you can see the leaves and the branches, uh, and and obviously the trunk above ground. But what creates that tree and what that tree is expressing is essentially the uh, information that's coming into the roots, the nutrition, the, you know, from the soil, the water, the oxygen and, and carbon dioxide, the gaseous exchange, you know, all these nutrients that are coming in from the microbes in the soil. So all this information is essentially interacting with the genetics of this plant and then producing this tree above. So the health of the soil, the health of the water, the health of, um, you know, the oxygen exchange and the bacteria in the soil, all of these things will influence what the tree will look like above ground. Now, in root cause medicine, again, the, the question is um, the paradigm. So the first question is the most important question. And so the first question is, is the body making a mistake or is the patient making a mistake? Or are they being influenced in some way? So when we look at root causes, we don't just look at their blood work. What we look at is their lifestyle. We look at their relationships. We look at their vocation. Do they love what they do? We look at their home and their environment. You know, do they have mold exposure in their environment or do they have trauma, emotional trauma in their environment that creates a stress response every time they walk into it? Do they have a subconscious, um, you know, sabotage that's taking place because they, you know, they were programmed by their parents to think a certain way, to have certain ways of responding to specific situations, to, um, you know, their values. All of these things have been programmed into this person. Of course, there's nutrition of course, there's movement and exercise. There's con- a connection with nature. So there's certain requirements that the human body needs, just like there's certain requirements that a plant needs. And these need to be assessed if they exist and if they exist in that person's life in a positive way or in a negative way. And once we can identify those root causes, if you will, then we, we now realize that these, this perfect intelligence that's encapsulated inside the cells of this patient is now going to be able to work the way it's supposed to. So right? dealing, dealing with the mental aspect of care, when you brought that up, it, it dawns on me that that would be something new to a lot of people who have, you know, especially the last generation who's, who's come completely through the allopathic. So when you want to consider the mental aspect, 
How would that affect the physical aspect of somebody? Okay, absolutely. So this is a fantastic question. So there's different layers uh, to this answer, and I'll and I'll start kind of with the beginning way of thinking about this process. I can literally say certain words to you that can directly influence your physiology. I can say something positive to you, and how you interpret that information will then go through a process of decision-making in, in a part of your brain called the amygdala, which will then determine what the emotional response would be. So our experiences, our subconscious patterns, our belief systems essentially determine the physiological response that we will have to an experience or an event or a word or a person's face, whatever the case may be. And so this decision-making engine is extremely important, and we call this part of the brain the amygdala. The amygdala determines if we're going to have a stress response or a neutral response or a relaxation response to every stimulus that comes in, what we see, what we hear, what we taste, what we smell. And so this interpretation then changes the chemistry in our body. So every emotion has a corresponding chemical signature in your body, right? The Mm -hmm. hormones that you'll make will be different based on a certain expression of emotion. So what influences our emotion is extremely important because it literally changes the signal that our cells will receive. So let me give you an example. Let me backtrack a little bit and and put it together in a story uh, for you. So if we are accepting of this fact, and this comes from Bruce Lipton's work. Dr. Bruce Lipton was the first person in the world to study stem cells, and he wrote a book called The Biology of Belief, which I suggest everyone reads. Yes, I read it. What he says in that book is that the... The subconscious mind is programmed between the age of zero and seven. The subconscious mind essentially establishes your values and belief systems and the paradigm through which you operate. So between the age of zero and seven is when our parents typically, unless you were raised by somebody else, grandparents or, you know, foster parents, whatever the case may be, but that between the age of zero and seven is when we form our understanding of the world. So what we value, what we fear, what we appreciate, all of these things are established at that point in time. So a, an example that I can give you is that many children get much more attention from their parents and loved ones when they're actually sick. So a child gets exponentially more attention when they're not well. Their mom drops everything, the dad drops everything, and they're by their side. Okay? So what we, what we instill and ingrain at a subconscious level, unknowingly, lovingly, is that when you're sick, you're going to get way more attention. Now, what does our current society have right now? We have an attention deficit disorder uh, because people are lacking attention and connection from other people. Hmm. So this subconscious programming takes place. So this is just one example I'm going to give you. The, uh, as you grow up, what you don't realize is that this is programmed very deeply into how your body operates, how, um, how your body processes information and what it will do to get the attention that it needs, to get the resources that it needs. If attention is a human requirement, the body will require that and it will gravitate towards it. So as the person gets older and they're lacking attention, they're lacking connection, the body will manifest illness as a result of that. And we see this over and over again. Okay. And so these are the layers at which some people will create disease and illness. And so we have to recognize those things and correct them. Everyone swears up and down that they're never going to become their parents. And guess who they become? Every single one of us becomes our parents because our parents wrote the operating system. They wrote the code that we, through which we see the entire world. 
And for some people, we need to go back and rewrite that operating system, rewrite that code, because then how they look at everything in their life completely changes at that time. So a big paradigm shift that we have to have with patients is that your body is perfect. Your body doesn't make mistakes. Your body literally built itself. Today, billions of cells will die and literally replace themselves with brand new cells. But the reason you stay sick is because you're not changing how you drive, right? Buying a new car doesn't prevent you from getting into an accident, right? It's how you drive that matters. So every day we're born with brand new cells, but what we forget is that we're sending those brand new cells the exact same message. So this so, isn't a 15-minute visit? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's really uh, it's a process. It's not a visit, right? So right. patients also have to realize that visits are events. We're not looking to have an event type of relationship. It's not a concert that you go to, right, once in a while. Mm-hmm. This is a process, and it's a deep process that people um, need to go through if they want to live the best life possible. So you're educating your patients. You are throwing more of the onus onto the people that you're seeing to take responsibility for their own health through your education? Right. Well, here's the thing. Nobody can take care of you better than you. Mm -hmm. Because when you walk out of my office, right, it's what happened outside of my office that created this. That's a so very interesting... If you don't change what, what happened outside of my office that created this problem, you will always come back in. Now, if we listen to words, words are very important, and I'll maybe get into semantic sabotage because I, I feel like that's taking place and the English language is very confusing. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll digress on that point. But when we think about it, our current system is set up where 80% of the responsibility is on the doctor and only 20% uh, is on the patient, if that, Okay. In this model, we, again, we just do the exact opposite. We flip it back onto the patient, and that's really what the patient wants. They don't know they want this, but it's really what they want. They want to feel empowered by health. They want to not need to keep coming to your office um, when they have a small problem. You know, they, need, they should know how to do the basic fundamental things to keep themselves as healthy as possible. And then, yeah, if you need the doctor, you need them, but you shouldn't need the doctor because of a lack of self-care. Mm-hmm. So empowering people with knowledge is the new paradigm shift in the medical field. It's as as we were talking about earlier, getting the knowledge to understand what's going on in your own body is so important. When we get back from our break, we're going to continue. I knew we'd be pushed up against time um, when we started the show. But when we get back from the break, we're going to continue with this conversation. And Sachin's going to take us through a functional approach to a condition. And you're really going to get a grasp of how the two approaches differ. So we'll be back in a couple of minutes, everybody. Oh my soul, you are 
Cause you're not alone Here and now You can be honest I won't try to promise That someday it all works out Cause this is the valley And even now he is breathing on your dry bones And there will be dancing There will be beauty where beauty was ash and stone This much I know You are listening to The Health Hub, here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, please call 416-245-1534. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking with Sachin Patel of the Living Proof Institute and so much information you're giving us. And I don't want to be remiss in getting to our case study. So, Sachin, maybe we'll jump into that right away to make sure that we cover that. And then all the other questions that are popping into my mind as we go through, we'll get to as many as we can. So I think what this will do is bring home to all of you the divergent ways of allopathic versus functional medicine. And Sachin, what have you chosen to talk to us about today in this respect? Well, I, I think a good one is really thyroid and autoimmunity. Okay. That's probably one of the most uh, pressing issues right now, especially facing women. Okay. It's the number one cause of pain and suffering. And it's also something that dwarfs cancer and heart disease in terms of its cost on society. So it's the biggest problem right now. And more and more women and men are coming in with it and not even knowing it. And so they usually get a diagnosis very, very late in the process. So I'd love to share a case study, just to give people an idea of how this process is different. Take it away. It's all yours. Okay. So it starts with the question. And the question in this case is, can we ever develop a chronic health issue in isolation? And just for the sake of time, the answer is no. So you could never have a chronic health issue in your body that develops in simply one organ. What we have to start visualizing is that every organ in our body has different levels of reserve. So imagine it's raining outside and you've got 20 buckets sitting outside and they're all different sizes. The smallest bucket would probably be your thyroid. Okay? A big bucket would be like your liver. A bigger bucket might be your digestive system. Okay, so these different systems uh, and buckets essentially will fill up at varying rates. If the thyroid bucket is one of the smallest buckets, it's going to start filling up first. 
This is why a lot of women are screened uh, for thyroid issues. But here's the thing. If you just empty that little symbol out or that little bucket out, you haven't stopped it from raining. So that bucket will overflow again, and you'll go back to it, and you'll increase the dosage or the medication. Um, eventually, what you'll do is, instead of treating the bucket anymore, you'll just get rid of it. Okay, this is why a lot of people have body parts removed, because the doctors can't fix the part. And so what they do is they remove it. You can't have breast cancer if you don't have breasts, right? You can't have thyroid cancer if you don't have a thyroid. So this is kind of the approach that would be taken with a typical patient. They would essentially have hyper-focus on that tiny little bucket, and they would get a diagnosis. This is what we call death by diagnosis. So once you get a diagnosis, then everything gets blamed, not on the rain, but on the bucket for mm -hmm. overflowing. So we have to realize that as we're treating and emptying this tiny little bucket, the other ones are slowly filling up. So as your condition progresses, the inflammation progresses, the destruction of the other organ systems uh, starts going downhill, and then it doesn't matter what your thyroid numbers are because all the other organs are being destroyed. So no disease in any system in the body develops in isolation. One bucket fills up first, it gets the fame and the name, and it's the one that you try to tame. But if you don't fix the underlying cause, the other buckets will eventually start overfilling. Now, the problem is, is that all the buckets are overflowing, right? So it's not just, it doesn't just rain on one of them, it rains on all of them. And so when all of your systems start going downhill, your health rapidly starts to regress. And so we see a complete breakdown in people. So their buckets aren't overflowing and all of a sudden all their buckets are overflowing and there's no way to keep track of everything. And this is why people are bouncing around from doctor to doctor and, and being told that, hey, everything looks fine because the doctor's not going to do anything until all your buckets are overflowing. Mm -hmm. And the testing that they're going to be doing is looking for the bucket overflowing. So think of a bucket sitting on my countertop. I don't have a problem until the bucket's overflowing on, you know, all over the counter and all over the floor. So your doctor's just checking for the countertop to be wet. He's not looking at how rapidly that bucket's filling up. It's not part of the testing that they do. So a patient might come in, they might have fatigue, their hair's falling out, they're gaining weight, it's unexplained, their digestive system's sluggish, you know, they're under lots of stress at work, lots of demands at home. You know, women have way more demands than men do. And, and so they're, you know, they're the mom and sometimes the dad, and they're also, you know, earning an income. So they're at work. So there's a lot of strain on women. They're being stretched in so many different directions. And so we see these problems uh, showing up in women also because women are more exposed to chemicals, okay? So if evil will always attack women, and children, just always remember that. So that's okay. why you see children sicker than ever and women sicker than ever, okay? Now, a patient might go to their doctor, lab work looks pretty normal, but they're extremely tired, extremely exhausted, and the doctor's like, hey, everything's fine, we can't find anything wrong with you, and just remember, all their buckets are overflowing. Now, here's the thing with the thyroid. 90% of thyroid disease is actually not a thyroid problem, it's actually an autoimmune problem. And what this means is that your immune system is actually attacking some of the enzymes and proteins in your thyroid gland and causing your thyroid gland and the thyroid hormone not to be manufactured properly. The body's response to this is to enlarge the thyroid, okay, so that it can compensate to make more thyroid hormone. Okay, so just like if I increase the demand on my bicep, my bicep is going to grow. So if I if part of my thyroid is being destroyed, my body's going to try to make more and more thyroid gland so that I could make thyroid hormone because every cell in your body has a receptor for thyroid 
uh, hormone. Mm-hmm. And so the brain has many receptors for the thyroid, your digestive system, every cell in your body gets a message from the thyroid gland. And so it's important that our body makes as much thyroid hormone as possible. The other thing that will happen is we'll get a signal from the brain to make more thyroid hormone. Okay. And so this eventually shows up on somebody's lab work where the body can no longer enlarge the thyroid anymore to compensate for the fact that it's being attacked on the other side from the immune system. That's when your numbers pop up positive. This immune attack can occur for many decades before the thyroid goes completely sideways. And the patient will have symptoms this entire time, but it's not going to show up on the lab work that the doctor is looking for. Okay. Now, as a result of this, um, patients eventually get a thyroid diagnosis, but the immune system aspect of their thyroid dysfunction is never addressed. Now, that same blood that's destroying the thyroid and the immune system that's creating antibodies to the thyroid is likely destroying and creating antibodies to other tissues. So the majority of people who have a thyroid problem, which is estimated to be one in three women in North America, 90% of those actually have an autoimmune problem, which is never addressed, which is never tested for. So while they get a diagnosis for thyroid disease, what they really have is a much bigger problem, which is an autoimmune disease. And now other systems in their body are gonna completely fall apart. So are you testing for antibodies? Then, when you so we would, so when a patient would come to us, we would uh, have them get tested by their doctor for antibodies, or depending on what state they're in, we could order the lab testing for them, and they would get the antibodies tested because what we're concerned about is the immune system attacking other systems in the body, and calming that immune system down is what calms the fire down and allows the thyroid hormone now to function and the thyroid gland itself to function much more normally. So you're not even focusing on the thyroid. Exactly. The thyroid is the victim. And the reason your doctors don't test for this is because they actually don't uh, treat Hashimoto's, which is the name of this condition. They don't treat Hashimoto's. There's no medication to treat it, but there is a medication that can increase your body's uh, levels of T4, which is the which is essentially what people are given is a synthetic thyroid hormone. But what they're not told is that that medication requires nutrients and it requires certain circumstances in a person's body for it to convert into its active form. Now, one of the things that inhibits that conversion is chronic stress and chronic inflammation, which most people have plenty, plenty of. So even the medication doesn't work for people. Is there a place for medication in the functional model? Absolutely. So we're not opposed to medications. We're opposed to the inappropriate use of medication. So if you know so what somebody, the side effects maybe of a medication can be, I'm, uh, you know, in, in my own um, experience and in, in dealing with people, something like tamoxifen, if you understand what the side effects may be and you educate your patient on that, can they work with that medication alleviating some of the side effects, but still potentiating the, the, the positive effects of the medication? Absolutely. We never take anyone off medication. What we do is we change the body's need for that medication. So if somebody has high blood pressure, the medical paradigm would be that this person has a dysfunction in their body that the body doesn't know what it's doing and it's creating more blood pressure or elevating blood pressure. Now, our approach would be, well, maybe it's because you're overweight and for every extra pound of fat that you carry, you need 200 more miles of arteries 
and you also have more of you. So obviously the heart has to work harder to pump, you know, uh, blood to all those part, new parts of you that didn't exist before. So the high pressure is actually a normal response. If you had low blood pressure, I'd be concerned because now your body can't actually adapt or respond to its, its fundamental needs. So in the allopathic model, those get placed on a medication that lowers blood pressure. In our model, let's get the weight off you. Let's get the inflammation off you. Let's give you more of what your body needs and assume that it knows what it's doing. And then when the pressure will come down as you get healthier. And so the person who's on medication will need less and less of it because if their blood pressure is normal and they continue to take the medication, they're, they're going to have low blood pressure. So we, we work on eliminating the need for the medication uh, in the first place if possible. But there's a time and place. If somebody comes in and they have a 20-year history of Hashimoto's, there might not be enough of a thyroid gland left to work with. Mm-hmm. The medication isn't the problem. It's when the medication doesn't do what you want it to do and it has enormous side effects, that's the problem. The lifestyle component of functional medicine is huge then. Yes, absolutely. And and here's the thing. It's, it's not just lifestyle. It's also intention in that lifestyle. This is a big one. So if somebody is eating a healthy diet and they view that healthy diet as a form of punishment, they're going to energetically metabolize those nutrients differently. How hard is it for you to get somebody who's who's new to this to buy into this whole notion? Because you're asking people to really pull in modalities that a lot a lot of us aren't familiar with. Is it hard to get people to to follow up with what you're saying? Not really. I think most people get it. You know, our our overarching message is that you have an amazing body. It literally built itself. It's kept you alive to this point, despite everything that you've done to it and everything that it's been through. It has what we call innate intelligence, which we spend billions of dollars a year researching. We still don't understand how the body works, right? Because there's more research every year than there was the year before, which is paradoxical because you learn more, but the more questions you ask, the less you actually know. So as we learn more, we know less. And so it's kind of like the mystery, right? Our body is this amazing mystery. And what makes our bodies amazing is you know, I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll give this quote from Da Vinci, and he said the greatest form of sophistication um, is uh, simplicity, mm-hmm. right? And there's nothing more sophisticated than the human body, right? Which means there should be nothing more simple to take care of than the human body. It's- we can complicate this as much as we want and treat everything downstream, but we just try to go upstream because we know that if there's 10 miles of river, and you're 10, mile, 10 miles downstream, our current system will build a plant that cleans up the water further downstream, but that 10 miles of gorgeous nature is basically destroyed upstream. So it's, let's to, to backtrack a bit, you know, because a lot of people are, this is a new, a new concept for them, the functional medicine. There is a place for both, uh, the mm-hmm. allopathic and the functional, and, and ideally practitioners working together. But the overriding message that you're giving me, if, if I may speak this way, is that there's positivity to be had in the functional medicine approach. It's not, it's not just masking things. It's you're, you're treating the body. It's healable. It's fixable. No matter what trauma it's been through, there's always hope. Right. And you have to do the work. And you That's have to do the work. Yeah. So our, our physiology is an expression of our environment and our perception of that environment okay so no. whether we're st- go ahead sorry i don't mean to cut you off no, there that's okay whether we're stressed out 
uh, all day. If we're in a stress physiology, our body is not healing. Our body only heals in a physiology and a state of rest and relaxation. You know, I go to some really interesting conferences, and the greatest thing that you can do for yourself is sleep. Mm-hmm. Right? And there's nothing more restorative and regenerative than sleep. And, you know, if you look at our society, everyone is trying to stay awake and as alert as possible, as much as possible. So you'll never create a, you'll never even tap into your body's capability of healing unless you put it in a state of healing. So when you understand these rules, you start doing things a little bit differently. You don't watch that extra hour of TV. You know, you change the light bulbs in your home because now you have better lighting, which doesn't cause fatigue on the brain. You change your breakfast up a little bit because it helps you regulate your blood sugar better throughout the day and you can't make neurotransmitters unless you have healthy blood sugar regulation. So, you know, once you learn these things and you make simple changes, the body takes care of itself. There's nothing more amazing than the body, nothing more intelligent than the body. So this brings your your whole focus right into the picture right now with the last few minutes of what you said is it's up to the patient. So this is why the patient is the doctor. Is that what you're getting at in your in your whole your whole movement? Exactly. The patient's the best doctor, the best pharmacy, the best surgeon, and ultimately the best person that can take care of their health. There's nobody that uh, can do what you can do for yourself. So if we can just, I know we're again, we're, I'm getting the signals, we're getting to the end of the show, but we have about five minutes left. But I'm wondering, is it is it too much to ask, uh, Sachin, if you could, you know, the your your person that's come in to see you, that the, it's the thyroid that they've come in to see you about, can you give us, I know you can't be specific, but just a general walking out the door, what what have you equipped these people with in a, in a very generalized protocol? Sure, so... Uh... We got off on a tangent there. I didn't get to finish the case study. So here's the thing. I'll, I'll go through this really quick. So a patient will come in to see us, and we would essentially start by empowering them. We would change their paradigm and, and uh, get them to understand this new paradigm of empowerment versus victim and, uh, and use their body as a tool to heal. We would identify through lab testing, functional lab testing, what's missing, what nutrients are missing, vitamins are missing, what inflammatory markers they have. You know, if they have a parasite or a stealth infection that's driving the autoimmune process and the chronic inflammation. So we would identify through specific testing and, again, going further upstream. Because if you've got a parasite in your gut, that doesn't just affect your immune system. It affects your digestive system, your immune system, your uh, inflammatory system, uh, eventually your neurological system. All of these systems become infected by chronic infections. So we always rule those out uh, whenever we can. And then we discuss specific dietary strategies for the patient. It's all individualized and customized. The patient actually sees a mindset coach. So we start reprogramming and remapping their subconscious mind, find out limiting beliefs and, uh, you know, kind of erase these paradigms that aren't serving them anymore. And so we help them in that area. We also do a health home inspection, which can be done virtually. And we have a healthy home specialist walk through your home We've got a 300-point checklist that we give you to make sure your home isn't causing chronic illness because if it's causing chronic illness in you, it's probably going to cause chronic illness for your family and your children and anyone who lives in your home, your pets, for example, as well. So we have that element that's thrown in there, and then we provide a customized uh, solution for the patient. So it's really personalized. It's individualized. It's always root cause-centric, and the patient leads with empowerment. So this isn't a transient benefit. The more you use our services... Uh, and take away what we teach you, the more you you benefit from it. And there's a lifetime value, which means that the longer you do what we tell you to do, the the value just keeps uh, paying back every single day. When you change lifestyle, you change how people live every second of their life. 
and you know there's no other area that you can deliver more value to somebody and uh, and so we just try to get people educated get them informed uh, get them taught get them to love their bodies again and appreciate their bodies and thank their bodies for giving them warning signs that something is wrong and then we get them to show self-love by how they live the rest of their life it sounds like a wonderful place to go on a preventative path as well you know, you don't have to be sick to see you. You may want to be stepping in front of anything that may be coming down the pike. Is that something that you do as a prevention path as well? Yep, absolutely. So we have different programs for people at different stages of the process. And we have programs for people who are asymptomatic so that uh, they can identify in in years in advance if, if they're heading in a certain trajectory. Health is about trajectory. So it's, I'm, not con- I'm not always just concerned about where you are right now. I'm concerned about are you getting better or are you getting worse? And is this the right road that you need to be on? Uh, instead of waiting until they get to the end of the wrong road and telling them, hey, like, this sucks, but you should have made a turn, left turn there like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, it can be used preventatively and proactively. I, mean, I get tested. My entire team gets tested annually. So, you know, we, we make sure that we're staying on top of things as well because these symptoms may not show up until years later after the problem started. Interesting. I'm sure you've opened the eyes of our listeners and the ears of our listeners, I guess, uh, quite a bit. Now, for someone who is, you know, piqued by what we've we've talked about, we'll wrap it up with maybe you could give our listeners a tip on how they might step foot into a functional medicine paradigm. Okay, so the first thing is, remember, this is patient centered. So you have to be the right patient, not shop around for the right doctor. And so we've created a 30-day program. It's called 30 Ways in 30 Days. So if your listeners go to www.30in30.org, I will teach you 30 ways on how to stay out of our office and maybe stay out of your your other doctor's offices by teaching you how to take the best care of yourself possible. And we go through things like safe cleaning products, what water filter I use, you know, how I start each day of my life. You know, there's certain tools that I use personally in my home certain uh, tips and advice that we give our patients that we found to be the most uh, impactful. And uh, so we've created a 30-day program to teach you how to stay out of our office uh, and become a better patient. And if you still have issues, then by all means, we actually send you a guide on how to choose a functional medicine practitioner towards the end of the program. So if you still feel like you need help, uh, we've actually written a a 14-page guide on how to choose a practitioner and exactly what questions you should be asking them as well. Fantastic. Now, can we find that on your website? Yes, if you go to our website at uh, www.becomeproof.com, then it's, it's our opt-in right at the very top. And uh, any, everyone who registers gets that program because it's really our, our most, uh, most highly valued resource that we offer. We've had 10,000 people go through it and 50% email open rate, which is unheard of in, in most uh, email worlds. Fantastic. Now... Thank you so much. It's just been a fantastic show, and I'm sure everybody has just learned so much. Your website uh, for the Living Proof Institute is www.thelivingproofinstitute.com. If people want to find out more about Sachin and his wonderful institute and all the great things that they are doing and and forward-thinking programs, it's it's a great, great resource. I will put up on Facebook uh, what Sachin has told us about um, Become the Proof, so you will have that resource as well. Do take a look. It could be the best thing that you have ever done for your health. So thank you, everybody, for joining us. It's been a great, great show. We will be back live again next week, barring anything unforeseen. And we will talk to you next week on The Health Hub.
You have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.